Good morning, Fellowship Church. It's good to be together with you this morning to worship our Lord. Thank you for being here. It's a, it's a blessing and a privilege. My name is Stephen, and I am on staff here at Fellowship as a resident church planter. And it's my privilege to open God's word together with you this morning. So would you join me and pray that God would do what we've just been praying as we sang and illuminate it to us that we would be changed for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it speaks to us, that it proclaims your truth. Lord, we want it to transform us. We want to hear, but not hear only. We want to to be changed because of what your word and your spirit reveals to us this morning as we gather. So, Spirit of God, would you hold your word up to us as a mirror that we would see your truth about ourselves? Spirit of God, would you, like a surgeon's knife, cut into us those things that, that need to be removed? Cut those out, that we would be wounded, but wounded to be healed and to grow and to become more like you, that we would be transformed for your glory. And we ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're two weeks into the new year. So how's that New Year's resolution going for you? We're doing all right with that? Uh, Just before the year began, Lifeway Research tweeted out that they asked Americans what kinds of things that they had, that they had, made resolutions about in the past, and they categorized them. And one of the things I thought was interesting is uh, among the top categories were my relationship with God, that was tied for a second with finances. But the top thing that was responded that people said they had in the past made New Year's resolutions about, it's probably not a surprise, but 44% of people said, my health. Anybody relate to that? As you think about this year, 2023, where would you like to see the health of your body? Now, as I say that, I should clarify a second because I'm not talking about what Lifeway was talking about. When I say that, I'm not talking about your physical body as you sit here or as you're listening online. I'm talking about your body, this body, the body of Christ. As we think about this coming year, where would you like to see the health of this body? When we get to the end of the year, it seems like a long way off, but it'll come fast. In the next 12 months, where do we want to be as we think about our body? Because scripture teaches us that we, as believers in Jesus Christ, are a body. That's what we are. As we gather together here in Jesus Christ, we are a body. And we can be more or less healthy. And so as we turn to Scripture today, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the verses that were just read before, starting in verse 12. And as we do that, I want us to think about together, how should we see ourselves in our life as the body of Christ? What should I be saying about myself in relationship to you, my brothers and sisters here at Fellowship? What should we be saying about 
one another. Let's turn again then to God's Word, and I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12, and we're going to look, we'll start by looking at verses 12 to 19. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As we look at this text, what I want to say is what it tells us is that as believers, as a believer, you don't get to excuse yourself from the body. We don't have the option to say, I'm not a part of the body. So let's look at this together. This, this section, the big picture that the Apostle Paul is trying to get at here, the big picture is that there is one body in Christ made up of many parts. You hear that actually several times in this passage. One body, many parts. And so as the Apostle Paul is writing this, he's trying to get the church to think of themselves that way. Unified in one body, but many parts, different parts that have different functions. So that's the big picture. And the way he does this in this section of scripture, the way he communicates this is through an illustration. He gives an illustration of this idea, and that is what we've been talking about, the human body. And so he says in verse 12 that the human body is one body. You here, all of us here, you have one body. It's a unified thing, but it's made up of many different parts that have unique functions. That's the illustration. And your body is one body with many, the word it uses is members. And really what that word means at its foundation is body parts. You have different parts. You have eyes, you have fingers, you have a head, you have all the different parts. And then he says, so it is with Christ. So use an analogy, the body. We all understand that. It's pretty simple. But then he translates that and he says, this is how it is with Christ for those who've believed in Christ. And so then verses 13 and 14, when we believe in Christ, when we put our faith in Jesus, who he is and what he's done, then the Holy Spirit joins us into the body. No matter who we are, what our background, notice he says there, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, in those few short words, he's exemplified huge divisions between Jews who have to be separate from Gentiles and the Greeks who are separate. They're totally separate. There's, there's hostility between those two groups, but it doesn't matter which group you come from. You're in one body or whether you're a slave or free. So the whole range are brought together in one body in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. 
And again, he points that this is not just one part. It's not just a, a giant hand or a giant eye. There are many different parts that make up the body. So these verses that we're looking at together this morning is really an extended illustration of this point through what the body parts say. So we take this metaphor and then he says, you know, that the hand can't say or the foot can't say or the eye can't say. And so you have these different parts. And there's basically two different things that you have repeated that the parts of the body in this illustration that they say. There's two different things. And that's how I want to structure what we're looking at together this morning. The first one of those comes in verses 15 through 17, and that is, I am not a part of the body. Notice that repetition. Let's look at this again. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Both of those parts saying the same thing, I'm not a part of the body. That's a, a temptation that we have. What it's saying here is that you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, we don't have the option to say, I don't belong to the body. We don't have the option to just excuse ourselves and say, well, I trusted in Jesus, but I'm not a part of the body. I'm separate. I don't need to be attached. I don't need to be a part of that. We don't get to do that because our saying it doesn't make it any less true. He actually repeats that. He says, if the hand should say this, it doesn't change the fact. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter what I try to convince myself of. That doesn't change the reality that as a believer in Jesus Christ, we are a part of the body. Now, why is this the case? Well, it's the case because we didn't put ourselves there. I don't get to excuse myself from the body because I'm not the one that put myself there. Look at verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members, the parts, in the body, each of them as he chose. So when you believed in Jesus, when you trusted in him, when you were united with Christ through faith, God chose to put you as a part in the body. You didn't choose it. You didn't pick it. So you didn't get to opt out of it. God is the one who's placed you there. So I can say all day long, I'm not a part of the body. That doesn't change the reality because God is the one who has put me there. But note in the illustration that Paul is using here, who's talking, who's speaking? It's the parts of the body that are speaking. So if I'm a hand, I'm saying, well, I'm not a part of the body. That's what we say. That's the temptation that we have. Even though we are part of the body, that's the temptation that we say. To just say, you know what? I'm, I'm not a part. I don't feel like a part. I don't want to be a part. I don't think I'm a part. I'm not a part. That's what we say. But that doesn't change the reality. Because God made us a part of the body. What the hand believes or says about itself doesn't matter at all. It doesn't change the reality. Notice also he emphasizes this continuing verse 18. But God arranged 
the members of the body, each of them as he chose. Now, he could just say God arranged the parts of the body. That includes all of them. But he repeats that for emphasis, each part. So there's no, there's no escape clause. You can't sit here this morning and say, yeah, the parts of the body, but I don't count. Who is excluded by each of them? Each of you, every person, as I look out and look at you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a part of the body. Regardless of what you say about it. And think about that. Jesus, God himself, when you became a believer, put you in the place that you're in as the part that you are, as he chose, as he wills. Each of you. Think about that. God who created you, the one who redeemed you, the one who saved you, he's the one who has chosen to make you what you are and to put you together in the body of Christ. There's not one person who has been joined with Christ who's not a part of the body. Now, if you're here today and you're not a believer, if you, don't believe in, if you haven't been united with Christ, you haven't put your trust in him, then you're not a part of the body. Because how do you become a part of the body? Faith in Jesus. But if you have put your faith in Jesus, then you are a part of the body. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you are saved, you are a part of the body, that means you, ha- you have a function. The parts of your body have functions, right? They do different things. They have a function. So if you're a believer in Jesus, you're a part of the body, you have a function. Now this, I hope at this point, this is kind of elementary to you. And you're saying, yeah, we get it. I hope you do. But if you're a part of the body, then you have a function and you need to carry out that function. Now this passage of scripture, the context is spiritual gifts. If you read the whole of chapter 12, before what we're talking about is about spiritual gifts. After this is about spiritual gifts. The whole context of this is spiritual gifts. And it applies to that. But I think it also applies more broadly to the life that we have in Christ as the body of Christ. We don't get to say, I'm not a part of the body. But here's the thing. We do say that. We say that all the time. I say that. We in different ways at different times have the temptation and take this step and say, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to check out today. I'm not a part of the body. And don't you just love scripture? Because it gets, I love, because it gets at me. It's not just a pat on that, oh yeah, you're fine. It's not a Hallmark card. It comes at me. You ever had that happen? This is one of those passages of scripture that comes at us. Because I look at it and I say, that's me. I've done that. I do that. And so we're going to look at these things. I want to just kind of take the time to flesh these out a little bit. Because I think, you know, this is an illustration. The Holy Spirit is speaking through the words of the Apostle Paul and giving us an example. And I think it kind of speaks to itself. But I want us to take the time to think about ways in which we do this. What are some of the ways we say I'm not a part of the body? Let me give you an example. Maybe you've said this, maybe you've thought this. You say, well, I can't speak up front. You know, like, I can't get up in front of people and talk. I can't do that. So I don't have an important ministry. You ever said that? 
You ever thought that? You ever thought, I mean, yeah, maybe I have a job, but really, what's really important is the guy who's standing here. You know what that is? That's saying, I'm not a part of the body. Because what you're saying is essentially, you're, you're just saying, that's literally saying, if I'm not a pastor, I'm not a part of the body. If I can't speak in front of people, I'm not a part of the body. That's one of the ways in which we do this. I don't know if you remember from the Adams family, the thing. It's just the hand, the picture, the hand that just kind of moves around. I think we kind of think of the body of Christ as that. Well, it's just the ministry people. It's just the pastors or just the people who are up front. If that's what it is, then we're just one part of the body and that's the whole thing. And that's what he's saying. You know, where, where is the body if it's all just a hand? But that's what we're saying when we say my role is not important because. Or I don't have a ministry because I'm not fill in the blank. Some of the other ways we say that I'm not a part of the body. How about this? Well, I come to church because my wife wants me to. But I'll sit there. But I'm not going to get involved. I remember years ago, one of my buddies from college got, he woke up one morning and he had Bell's palsy. I don't know if you've heard of this condition. It's kind of, they don't really know where it comes from. They're not really sure what causes it. But what happens is a part of your face, usually one half of your face, all the muscles stop working for unexplained reasons. And you just can't smile. You can't move the side of your face. My buddy had this and it kind of, it tends to just resolve over some time. But imagine that if you woke up one day and suddenly the whole side of your face wouldn't work. Now, this is an illustration for young people because if you're an older person, you don't need an illustration of waking up and a part of your body doesn't work. (laughs) But if that's what I say, well, I just come to church, but I'm not really going to do anything. You are the Bell's palsy of the body. You're the part we just say, well, we can live without it. And I can just sit here and not work, and it'll be fine. Now, granted, yeah, I mean, you know, if you can't use the side of your face, you can still get up, you can go to work, you can do all those things. But it's not working great. That's what happens when you say, I'm not a part of the body. What about another example? You may, maybe you've been in church your whole life. You can never remember a time you didn't go to church on Sunday. Maybe you're one of those who said, I can, I can remember the times we went Sunday and we went Wednesday and we went Saturday and we went. But all that time you say, I don't know what part of the body I am. I don't know what my gifts are. Now you could say that with gen, genuine, you just don't know. You say, I've never even heard this before. I have no idea. And that's fine. But you can also say it as an excuse. You just say, well, I don't know. I can't do anything because I don't know. What you're saying if you say that as an excuse is you're just saying, I'm not part of the body because I don't know what part I am. And we don't have that option. It doesn't change the fact that we're a part of the body. I loved what Pastor Carl shared in his message Last week, talking about the body, life, and worshiping. Why do, we wor- why do we sing so much together? And one of the things he shared is he said that he hoped that when we come in these doors, 
and we gather together here that, that we would have two thoughts. First, that when we come, we would think, I'm here to worship the almighty living God. And the second thought that I hope that we have, that, that Pastor Carl was hoping that we would have, is that when we come here, we say, this is the body of Christ that God has put me in to serve. And I hope that we have that perspective. I hope that you have that perspective. Regardless of what part you are, that you would serve the body of Christ because we're called to one body in Jesus Christ. Let's continue reading, picking up in, in verse 20. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now here we shift to another thing we say. In the first part we say, I'm not a part of the body. Here is another example. And what this passage of scripture tells us is that as a believer, you don't get to write off other parts of the body that you think are unimportant. You don't get to say, well, I don't need that part. I don't like that part. We don't have the option to say to one another, I don't need you. Verse 20 here is again a transitional verse. It connects this. It gives us the theme again. What's the theme here? Many parts, one body. One body, many parts. And through the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul is writing again. He's continuing this illustration, but he's shifted to the second thing that we tend to say. And that is, I have no need of you. Or I don't need you. So those are the two things. We say, I'm not a part of the body, and I don't need you. Now he says, we, we tend to say this to the parts of the body that we think are less important. You know, the head to the feet. They say, well, if you had to lose one, which would you choose? And so the head said, well, of course I'm the most important. So the feet, they're not so important. So I don't need that. But notice what he says in verse 22. The members which seem weaker. Now that word seem is really could be thought or considered. So who's doing the thinking? The other parts. Now we could all name that. I mean, we could think, well, yeah, that part's not important. That part's not important. I'd write off that one, you know. And we can do that in the body of Christ too. And I can look at myself and I can say, well, these things are important. Those we really don't need. But, he says, all the parts, even if they're weak or even if they seem unimportant, they are necessary. In other words, they need a need. They have a purpose to fulfill. They have a function. Here's the thing. There are no useless parts. 
It's kind of what you think in the first place. You say, I'm not an important part of the body. But you're not useless. Also, that means that you can't say to anybody else, I don't need you, you're useless. That part, we don't want that. We don't like that. We don't get to say that. We don't have that option. We can't say, I don't need you. So the weaker seeming parts, the parts that we think of or consider to be weaker, are actually necessary. And those that are considered less honorable actually receive more honor and more attention. So then he talks about unpresentable parts. And this is kind of, it's an idiom. It's kind of akin to what we might say, you know, private parts, unpresentable parts. And you think, okay, why are those receiving more honor? Well, they, they're treated with more modesty. We, treat, we think about them more. You, you have covering for them. They have to be treated with more modesty. Or you, the dishonorable parts are the parts that you think, I don't really, you know, that part of me, I don't want anybody to see that. You know, I got to cover that up. You, you spend more time working on those parts. They receive more honor. God composed the body, verse 24, to for his purposes. Now that word composed, it means to affect a harmonious unit, unity. God put those parts together for his purpose. He's doing that. He reiterates that. He added in the first section, he has it reiterated here in verse 24. So some parts receive more honor but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to those who lacked it. And there's a reason for that. So that, verse 25, there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. So God put the different parts together for his purposes for two reasons. One, that there would be no division. So what is he looking for? Unity. Unity in the body. You hope that you have unity in your physical body. It's all working together. So that's the first thing, that there would be no division and that they would have the same care for one another. The body of Christ builds itself up. All the members have the same care for one another. Now, having the same care for each other is the exact opposite of saying, I don't need you. That's having no care for that part of the body. To say, I don't need you, I don't want you, would just ignore you. So I think about this and I think, wow, these are the temptations that we have to say, I'm not a part or that specific part I don't need. Now here, the apostle Paul is talking about the weaker parts and that applies. But I think actually thinking about it in our culture, we actually have a harder time dealing not with the weaker parts, but we have a harder time dealing with the parts that have authority. We don't mind weakness. What we don't like is submission. So if I were applying this, I think that would be what the way that it would be expressed for us today. Let me give you an example. As you know, we've, God has brought us on this incredible uh, journey, this opportunity to do something really exciting, and that is to plant a church. It's super sacrificial. You're sacrificing, giving time, giving resources, giving people to, to do something for another community, for another body of Christ. It's, it's a beautiful picture of what God calls us to. So that's what we're on this journey that God has brought us on. We're planting a church. That's what my role is as a resident church planter. But imagine if 
a month from now, you know, I get a message, hey, Stephen, I want you to come. The elders are having a meeting. Can you come and meet with us? Sure, I'll be there Tuesday night. And meeting with the elders, they say, you know, we've prayed about it, we've thought about it as elders of the church. You know, I know we were moving in this direction, but we've decided that we don't think it's right for you to plant a church. I don't think that's going to happen, but just imagine if that were to happen. What then should I do if that's a message that I hear from the elders? Because think about it. I have a calling. I've been called to be a pastor. I have a mission. I believe with every part of me that God is leading me to plant a church. I have gifting in terms of pastoral ministry and preaching and those different kinds of things. I know all of that. But if the elders of the church come to me and say, you know, Stephen, I, I don't think this is right. What should I do? Should I ignore that passion? Should I ignore those gifts? What does scripture say? This passage of scripture tells me that if that were to happen, I have no right to then listen to those elders, the part of the body that God has given authority, I have no right then after hearing that to just go off and say, you know what? Thanks elders for the input. I don't need you. I'm gonna go plant a church anyway. I can't do that. I don't have the option to do that because that's what scripture says. I have to submit that gifting, that passion, those callings to the part of the body that God has given to fulfill its function. That's what I have to do in terms of scripture. My passion, your passion, your gifting, your calling do not supersede the body of Christ. They also don't supersede scripture, but that's a different message for a different time. I am not allowed to say, as much as I might want to in that situation, I don't need that part of the body. So what are some ways that we also say, I don't need you? Well, one example would be, maybe you've ever said, well, I just prefer to do my own thing. That's literally just saying, I don't need the part of the body that God has given as authority. I don't need oversight. I don't need partnership. That's writing off a whole lot of the body of Christ. I give an illustration. I had candidated at a church out of state. And I was in a meeting with their committee that was looking for their, you know, they're trying to select their new pastor. So I'm in this meeting and I asked them the question, well, can I ask why your previous pastor left? And the committee, they kind of all sheepishly looked around at all their, they all looked at the committee chairman. He got to answer that question. And he said, well, you know, we had a pastor for a number of years and there were some leadership issues, just some leadership character and humility and stuff. And so as elders, we were working with him, trying to help him get to that. And he left and went down the road and started a new church. Dear friends, there is far too much of that in the church today. Leaders or followers who say, I don't need that part of the body. I know what I'm doing. I'm just going to go do my own thing. It should not be because God has put us together because we need each other and we need to submit to that.
You might say, you know, it's my passion. I hear this word a lot. Passion as though that just trumped everything. It's my passion, so I'm going to do it anyway. You know, trust me, trust me. The hand is always passionate to grab things. Always. That's what it's for. But the hand needs to listen to the head when it says, don't touch that, because if you do, you're going to get burned and we're all going to hurt. We need each other. Another way we say, I don't need you, ministry territorialism. You can say, why are we so, spending so much time and money caring for people? We should be reaching people. Or you could flip it around. Why are we spending so much time reaching people? We should be caring for them. You know what that is? You just look at your part and you say, my part is the most important. The other parts we don't care about. Fill in the blanks, whatever they happen to be. That's just promoting your part over others. Saying, we don't need that part. Another one we say, oh, we hear this a lot. I love Jesus but I don't need the church. And it's cousin, I do online church. When I hear that, it's the same thing. It literally says, I don't need in it. When scripture says, you're not allowed to say to the body of Christ, I don't need you. Is it uncomfortable sometimes? Of course. But we don't have that option. So what should we be saying? There's been a lot of time talking about what we should not be saying. What should we be saying? What we should say is this. I'm a part of the body and I need all the other parts. What if, brothers and sisters, what if we made this year, 2023, the year we all say, I'm a part of the body. And I need all the other parts. Let me just look at verses 26 and 27 again. That if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You know, it comes down to unity and humility. Now, as I think about Fellowship Church, I think we do pretty well to be honest. And I want to commend you in those things. Continue in unity. Continue in humility. I think that's why this church can do so many great things. I hope you come to the congregational meeting on the 31st because I, I hope that you, have, that you take that opportunity to hear about all the crazy, amazing, wonderful things that God has done through you as the body of Christ in the last year because there's so much of that. The reason God can do that in this body of Christ is because of the unity and humility that exists. But let's just take it to the next level. Let's keep upping our growth and our health for each one. What if this year, 2023, was our most unified year in the entire history of this church? What if this year we had the most humility what if the person this year the person who's been on the sidelines for year for years this year is the year that you finally learn to say i have a part of the bo- i'm a part of the body and i know what role i play 
and celebrate all the other people? What if this year, those of us who were most challenged by authority would say, I praise God for the ministry leaders that we have in this congregation who give us vision and tell us when we shouldn't be doing something or uh, ask us to, to focus more. What if, if those who were most challenged by those parts, we would celebrate those parts the most? You know what would happen if we did that? Christ would be glorified. The one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, forgave our sins, called us into this body, he would be glorified. May it be so. Let's pray. Lord, your wisdom, oh, your wisdom is so high above, we can't even grasp it. Thank you that you've put us in this body. I thank you for this body of Christ and each member of it and how you've put us together. Father, it would be our desire to see that this year, this year would be our best year yet. Because each part we would say, I know what part I play. And I celebrate all the others. That we would love each other in humility and unity. That as people would come in, as we would interact with those outside in the world, that they would look at us and they would say, wow, there's love there. And that by our love for one another, the world would know that we belong to you, that you would be glorified. Lord, would you do it in us? Search me and try me. See what ways I'm tempted to those things. And Lord, would this year be a tremendous year of unity For the sake of your great name, we pray. Amen.